Charnel Blevins is the Parent Engagement Coordinator for SpeakUpParents.org, a grassroots organization of parents paying close attention to educational policies that affect their children's academic success, either positively or negatively. Charnel has her bachelor's degree from Pepperdine and her master's from Mount St. Mary's University. She is the living embodiment of a dedicated mother to her six children. In this episode, we learn about students' needs and sometimes special needs to gain extra instruction with their proficiency in academic language. Now, academic language may not sound very important, but in fact, it is foundational for students' success in school, and it includes words such as paraphrase, summarize, predict, and justify that learners need to know to complete an activity that are not a lesson's primary learning objective. And it probably isn't the kind of word that they hear at home or in their day-to-day life. So this is why they need special instruction in uh, getting the skills of academic language. Because it really is critical for their success at uh, processing just the whole array of academic tasks. Unfortunately, a convoluted form of reasoning has been used for the last quarter century, denying special support in this learning in the learning of academic language for black students. Even though research shows that instruction in the methods, strategies, vocabulary, and curriculum of academic language for all students, especially black students, raises grade level proficiency scores in state texting, testing. A few examples to help clarify the importance of gaining academic language skills. Take the word product. You know, day-to-day life, social life, product means something you go and you buy at the store or you put stuff on your hair. But, you know, in math, if the teacher asks you to come up with the product of of these two numbers, what are they talking about? So it's the kind of, there's a vocabulary word that needs to be understood. Inflate is another one. Inflate the tires, but inflate has to do with economics too, and it's a whole other definition. So I could go on and on, but it's important to uh, respect the fact that academic language is an absolutely essential skill if students are going to do well in school. And without academic language skills, students are profoundly handicapped in the classroom which is why it must be public education's focused intention to provide those skills to all students, including black students, instead of withholding that particular type of instruction from black students, which you will learn how in this conversation, those skills have been purposefully kept from black students. I know it's really, really hard to believe, but that is what has been going on in the state of California. And uh, you'll see in this conversation that we have a chance to change that. And so I really hope you'll sit through this conversation. It's It's a bit longer than I usually like to go with conversations, but I thought the details were important to really get into understanding them. All right, so thank you for being here. My name is Nini White, and this is the One White Woman with a Lot of Questions podcast. So, Charnel Blevins, thank you again for finding the time to be on this podcast with me. Oh, thank you for inviting me, Nini. I really appreciate it. Oh, my gosh. Go ahead. I was going to say, I enjoyed myself the last time in our conversation, and I can just dive into talking with you, which is um, probably, I don't know if that's good or bad for podcasts. (laughs) I think it's good because we have really, really important things to talk about. You do. Um, So we will just dive in right now. Um, So in 1996, 24 years ago, Prop 209 was passed in the state of California, and it, refer- it was referred to as California's Civil Rights Initiatives. And yet, right. and yet, there's a little bit of a glitch there because it seemed to have contradictory wording in it where it prohibited 
the state from discriminating against or, or granting preferential treatment to any individual group on the basis of race, sex, color, ethnicity, or national origin. So I am just, I'm just stymied by the contradiction there. And I can just, having recently had to interact with the legal system over some private business in my life, I saw how words can be twisted and maneuvered around to mean just about anything anybody wants them to mean. And I'm thinking that yeah. that's what happened with Prop 209. Yes, and some would say that it was purposely done that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where I stand on that right now, whether it was on purpose or not, yeah. but it's one of those examples for me of systemic racism. Yes. I, I remember at the time thinking, oh, well, that's probably a good idea, but I wasn't paying attention the way that I am now. And right. now when I'm paying attention, I'm, I'd like to hear from you what you have noticed in, in real concrete terms. Prop 209 has how it has negatively affected black children's educational progress. So what's interesting in what you just stated out of Prop 209, that the state, um, it prohibits the state from discriminating against any particular race or gender. But with that, you're actually discriminating against any particular race or gender. And so, uh, and then um, granting preferential treatment, uh, it prohibits you from granting preferential treatment to any then what you're doing is you're never la- you're never making the playing field level. Right. And so the systemic racism, the different things that has been put in place are never given the opportunity to heal or to be overcome. And the way that I think about that is if you have a child who needs to wear glasses to be able to see, and so they don't have 2020 vision. So you buy them glasses, mm-hmm. right? But we, I wear glasses. I wear contacts. I've probably been wearing them a lot. I've been wearing them a lot longer than the, the, my oldest child mm-hmm. and uh, since elementary school. And so why wouldn't I give the child glasses if they need them? Right. And what gl- these glasses in, in my example is preferential treatment, right. you're telling me or is discriminating against someone else who doesn't need glasses. And so what we're seeing here in Los Angeles and several other school districts, like we talked about before, is that in K through 12, if you have a student who needs additional help, and the reason that we know that they need additional help is because we track them by race to give a group of them together or by gender, we're unable to put state funds behind that, that group of children to help them reach their potential academically and understand the academic uh, instructional environment that we've placed them in. So now this brings a new question to my mind because can it be student by student that can get the uh, unique, the individual help that he or she needs? It can be student by student. I mean, that is what the IDEA Act, the Individuals with Disability Education Act does, is establish individualized educational plans for those students with disabilities. But I I have a bachelor's in business. You want to do economies of scale. You want to look at it in total systems. So what can I do with these group of students that look like this. And one of the things that you and I have talked about is the state tracks students that way. They track students by race. They track students by gender. So if we're tracking them that way, why can't we give monies to them that way? And we also have the same situation in uh, higher education where you have students who are the same because it's true. We do not want preferential treatment what we want is is for if you're looking at students who are equal then let's try to fill some of those um, gaps that happen because of systemic racism right and 
so now what we're really getting to though is this uh i think you it was so interesting about the um the academic language that this is one of the big issues that you have a lot of concern about specifically right as it relates to prop 209 so can you tell us about that so one of the things about academic language is that because of prop 209 we had to find unique ways in society to address the educational debt that African-American students have. And so this educational debt, a lot of it has to do with language. And there is other groups that also have that as well. Um, and so I would, I would imagine it's considered... anyone in the poverty or lower economic levels where they don't have time to think and speak and, and, you know, interact in those with those more, shall we say, sophisticated languages or ideas, because they're basically functioning on a level of day to day. Am I right or wrong about that? I would say that's partially okay. right, but that's not what the biggest thing is and you and I talked about it a little bit the last time about language and the use of language and the way we all use language differently there are certain things um, in language that people in different areas don't understand if you're from the south and someone says bless your heart that doesn't necessarily mean bless your heart (laughs) they're not giving you a blessing Um, they could be telling you, leave me alone with those three words (laughs) and among some other things in a nice sense. Uh And so, but that is not academic language. We, you and I spoke about being in a chemistry class and needing to have the academic language of the chemistry class, the periodic table and the different things with symbols and, and things like that. And so for standard English learners, Their home language is English, but they don't understand academic English. And so what is happening is that we want to make sure that standard English learners are given the tools that they need to receive academic English. And the majority of students that are considered to be standard English learners are African-American students. Mexican-American students, Hawaiian-American students, and indigenous students. So even though they understand English and their home language is English and they watched a little bit of Sesame Street or whatever is out there right now, they don't have the academic English yet uh, using the verbs and and nouns in concert the way that we want to see them use it in grammar. And so... For us, uh, in the African-American parent advocacy team um, that is under Speak Up, they looked at the state data and the Smarter Balance data says, and it's called the SBAC test, that African-American students, black students, are the lowest performing subgroup of any students besides students with disabilities. And so you, any teach, any good teacher, any good educational system, any good parent, when you see a child who is not doing or reaching their potential and they can, you go out and get something for them to right, do that, right. right? You put more resources. It's the glasses instance that I just talked about. My kid can't see the, the television or their screen or the chalkboard. They can't read a book. They need glasses. I'm going to go and get them a pair of glasses. And so what the Prop 209 tells you is that because those students are defined by their race, you cannot put monies behind any program that defines them by their race. Which makes it really hard because we track them by race. So how (laughs) if you if if they're tracked by the state by race. Then and so I know who they are because the the way the state sends the information back down to schools, they can tell me each single student and where they score on that aspect. Right. 
And I know it's these group of students by race, and that is the common denominator with them through almost 600,000 students in the district. 50,000 50, of them are Black students. And so I know that the majority of them are Black students. Then why can I put a program together that says that I'm going to help and increase the academic achievement of Black students? Mm -hmm and use the SBAC scores to define that they've reached that uh, grade level proficiency. And so Prop 209 tells you you can't do that. And, and, and also Prop 209, we're talking about education, but one of the things that we don't realize is we're in COVID-19 and we have another upsurge going. So we're not gonna be able to kickstart our economy the way that we thought we would be able right. to do this time a couple months ago. And so the economy needs to revive. So we need more small businesses. We, know, we need more business owners getting contracts. And the largest contractors are the federal government and the state and cities and municipalities. Mm -hmm. And so what the Prop 209 states is that you cannot give these state monies to anyone based on their gender, based on women so, or men. So or race. we or know race. or, or, or yeah. race, but let's let's do the gender one for okay. a second. So what it's telling you is if last year in 2019, if 100 percent of the people who had state contracts were men. And I or you were had the ability to be able to diversify who was getting state contracts and, and said, oh, we want to give women a little bit of state contracts. Yeah. The way Prop 209 is written, I cannot do that. Takes the breath away. <laughs> it does. It yeah. does. It's, it's like, it's, it's so in essence, and we know women feminists and women livers and women who just want to be women, yeah. <laughs> if I may say that. And, um, <laughs> That And that does not go into all the other things that we are out here in the society. But I mean, all of us who identify as women and we want to be a woman, the state is saying that based on historical records, we know that more men get business. They do not have the glass ceiling. They're in corporations on the boards. They're running the show basically. And I cannot put programs together that use state monies to have women receive those contracts or those ideas to be able to receive monies or anything and to help them reach the same goal. And so what I think of it is, is, and I think you and I shared this cartoon before and I talked about it, where uh, it's the baseball field and the kids want to watch the game. Oh, right. And so, you know, equity is giving a person who's seven feet, not six, seven feet tall, not necessarily something to stand on to look over a six foot tall fence. But the person who's five feet needs a foot, um, some, uh, something to stand on that's a foot depth, right. depth so that they can see over that. And it should be a little bit bigger than that because if you give them just a foot, they're going to be right off right, the fence right, and not really right. see either. But that's what we're talking about, right. especially in an economy now that has been desecrated because of COVID-19. How are we going to rebuild right. it? And we don't, we have the resources or we should have the resources and we won't be able to say, we want to make sure women are able to have to have jobs and create jobs for others and small businesses and big businesses. We want to make sure black people can do it. We want to make sure white people can do it. We want to make sure Asian people can do it. We want to make sure Latino people yeah. can do it. We cannot make any preferential treatment. So even if uh, the, the argument is, well, are you trying to take away from white males? What if this was white males? What, what if they were the ones who were on the bottom just above students with disabilities in the K through 12 system? Yeah. Or what if they were the ones who had never received 
the majority of contracts in our state, Prop 209 won't let us put money towards them either. But with Proposition 16, which is the new number for ACA 5, and Proposition 16 is the way that it'll appear on the November Mm -hmm. ballot, if we pass that, it doesn't matter what racial group you're in or what gender you are. If you need equity, if you if you need to be able to have a op- the same opportunity as everybody else at the table, then Proposition 16 will allow us to do that. So um, I'm going to ask you, I'm, I'm the queen of, of uh, not getting things the first time, and so I need to ask. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm hoping that some of the listeners are like me too, so um, they won't mind this. And, um, but anyway... So it's not as if, I mean, if white males are getting the majority of the work, it's not as if it's more like white females or people of color have to do so much more effort to prove that they're just as good or, and then if Prop 16 gets passed, then there will be a quota for hiring blacks and women No, No. the quota system in the state of California has been turned down even. So there is no way that we can do quotas. What you're looking at is just to have the opportunity to look at everybody if they're the same. So it's not saying that you have to have 25% black, 25% Asian, 25% Latino, 25% white, or 50-50. Okay. What it's looking at is it's telling you that if you decide to, um, you you look at the numbers and you say, you know what, only 1% of our contracts are for women. And we don't want to do that because over 50% of the state population is women and we want to mirror that. This will allow me over time, Prop 16 will allow me over time to bring it back to what it was. To what society is. Well, how is it so how is it not allowing it now? How is to Because I can't do I can't use any money oh. to go behind a gender. Oh. So it does and and I wanna also make sure I say this. I'm not saying shrinking what is being given to white right. males saying increasing the pool of white women or women in general. So if I have a hundred contracts that I can give out this year and 99 of them are white males, but next year I can have 200 contracts or a thousand contracts, then can I level the playing field? So everybody has an equal. Oh, big sigh of relief because how is that a problem for anybody? The only people I can see that being a problem for are the people who look at the world like, I win, you lose. If you lo- win, right. I lose. No, it doesn't have to be that way. And in fact, when you have more balance, doesn't the research prove that there's more success for everybody because there's more diversity, more creative ideas, more collaboration? Yes. I mean, this, isn't, this yes. isn't pie in the sky. This isn't like fairyland or you know some oh let's all love each other and that kind of thing it's like we can go ahead no I was gonna say you want the diversity of voices yeah you want the diversity of people Uh, I was talking to someone yesterday and we were talking about the educational system and one of the things that and, and it's not just educational system that it happens. I've seen it yeah. happen in corporate oh, America yeah. where someone's first career is at a certain company and that's all they know. And they're 20, 30 years in. And so they don't think outside the box of that right. company. And so this is what I think people don't understand that we should do it. Uh, People don't understand that we need each other. Right. I need your voice and you, you need right. my voice to broaden our horizon. Doesn't mean we have to agree, right. but it pushes our society further. Exactly. Along. Exactly. Now, and in line with your making that statement, when I was looking up different things about, you know, this now this 
Prop 16 that's going to be on the ballot, it's, it's uh, well, I have a lot of emotions when I see the kind of uh, fight against Prop 16 being passed. It's very uh, disheartening. And it's all promoted uh, like it's regular news and it's not regular news yeah. at all. Um, no. And one of the places that I saw it on the same page, they were advertising make great, make America great again. And it was a Trump, Trump trope, you know, it was a Trump mm -hmm. troll thing, you know? So it's just, it's just so interesting when we see this just reminds me again and again, how discerning we have to be when we read uh, things that are supposedly news or official opinions or expert right. opinions, because wow, there's a lot of manipulation going on in the, in the media and we have to be really careful. Yeah, there's a lot of manipulation going on. And I sit down with my kids when they were growing up and teaching them the different things of manipulation. Uh, I remember when I was growing up, uh, and maybe I was a little bit older, but I think I was younger, uh, where the I think it was Carl's Jr. hamburger was being sold with a woman uh, on sitting on the top of a car and it was a car wash kind of thing. Uh -huh. um, you want to look past what are they trying to sell you? Right. Right. <laughs> you know, what are they really saying? Right. You want to dig deeper and you want to know what the language is and what does that mean? And right. um, the language for people of color and women, when we hear that we should all be um, we should all be valued by the content of our character and not by the color of our skin. So that's why you cannot have a seat at my table. That's disheartening. Yeah, very disheartening. And so, and that's what that language says is you can't have a seat at my table. I was with my kids came up a couple of weeks ago with, or actually it started from my church a video that is a very simple video that talks about since um, 1619 when the first enslaved people were brought to America yeah. to today and the systems that were put in place to ensure that they never received oh, equality. Yeah. Um, my birthday's August 26th. I was born on women's suffrage. Mm -hmm. I tell my parents, you knew you were going to have a girl. <laughs> and so um, the things that women went through in this yes. country and around yes. the world uh, to be able to vote, yes. to be able to have businesses, to be able to work outside the home. Um, it was never meant for us to be there. We're just different humans with different body parts for different biological reasons. Yeah. But we're not a, a we someone thinks that we cannot run a fortune 500 company or a silicon valley company or the grocery store at the corner yeah. uh that's not fair right. and, and it's not but true it takes all it's of, not true it's not true it's not right. fair it's not right. true and but it takes all of us to be able to move it exactly. forward uh it you and know wake up from the and we forget yeah, that and wake up you know, and stop believing them uh, and yes. them. Um, yes. One thing that you're really uh, bringing to my mind, the front of my mind again, is that one of the things when I was doing research about what is this academic language, because I had never heard about it before until you introduced it to me and the importance of it in relationship to this, in relation to this Prop 16. And um, critical thinking is like an essential element of yes. academic language it's and it's I see it as one of the most critical skills that today's students need to gain and and be masters of it's just because otherwise all of these mistakes and these fallacies that are just continually being promoted will continue yeah. so very much so and they, you want them you give them the academic language so they can talk to you academically yes. So they can push you further in, in that language. Uh, one of my favorite things through COVID-19, and yes, I do have a favorite thing, <laughs> is that all six of my children at, yeah. are at home with me and my husband. Uh -huh. 
And so we get to have these one hour long dinners that nobody's rushing to do homework or we live in the Los Angeles area. So it's two hours of traffic each way to go 20 miles. It's just ridiculous. Um, But it allows us to have these conversations and push our kids further into critical thinking. Mm -hmm. And so how do you do that? My, my husband's always bringing pop culture to the table and the kids are like, how do you know that? (laughs) But he'll start them to dissect what they're hearing and what's going on. And they can't do that unless we're teaching them the tools at the table of how to engage. Mm Uh, some of our kids, uh, particularly my girls are like, doggone it. You're, you're, uh, you're, I can't think of the word. Um, they go after my sons for a male point of view. Uh-huh. You're chauvinistic. Oh, right, right. And it, they don't say it that, that calmly that I'm saying, uh-huh. as I'm saying I'm now, sure. they'll say it with, you know, they're yelling it across the table yeah. and they're calling each other stupid. We're like, that's not the rules of engagement. Uh-huh. You know, you have to sit down and actually have critical thinking and you have to come up with a point. One of the, one of the um, professors that I never had her as a professor, but um, I will tip my hat off to her, uh, Condoleezza Rice. Mm-hmm. And Condoleezza Rice, when she finished her years with George W. Bush mm-hmm. and went back to Stanford to teach a class, and it was about the Iraq, Iraq war. I think her class was about, or maybe it was broader than that, but that was a portion of it. And she told her t- students that you might disagree with what we decided to do before the UN and invading the country, but you better come with your facts. Uh-huh. Yeah. She said, I don't care if you disagree or not, but come with your facts. I like that a lot. It, it, it was an article and I read it and it just stuck with me. And that's what academic mm-hmm. language does for the student. Exactly. When you start teaching it to them in kindergarten and they understand yes. how to use the language, yes. now they can do the research on their own yes. to have critical thinking skills to be able to come with their peers in the classroom and their teachers and engage in high level thinking and high level uh, assessment. Of what's happening. Right. And so no longer. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, that's not as if there's just one right answer either, but they can come right. to reasons and uh, conclusions in a logical way that maybe there's two right answers or three right answers. Right. Or three ways to get to the right answer. Uh, there you go. But what I think we're seeing so much of in this country right now, which is on at, at minimum terrifying is that there are so many people who have not got those skills, no matter what color they are. And so yes. I think when you mix one person who's got critical thinking skills and one who has never received those kinds of skills, you cannot have a conversation that's going to go anywhere because they're, they're functioning from completely different um, parts of their brain. And yeah. yeah. Do you want to talk about that at all? Well, not necessarily parts of their brain, but I, I, I'm saying I don't necessarily want to talk about parts of brain. That that just looks weird oh, to me. I just brain. meant I've watched too many. Medical oh, I just meant emotional. Shows. You know, the emotional <laughs> part of the brain. But yes, but but I do think that it, you stop thinking through an issue. Right. Um, my husband was talking to the kids about different issues that's happening and people reacting emotionally to yeah. stuff and getting fired over stuff. And he says, it's almost automatic and you're not thinking. If you were in your rational Uh mind, you would have never made that choice. Uh If you were using critical thinking. And I think one of the things that we have to do is teach our kids what they need to be able to stop and really have the critical conversation. So if you're not giving them, and I'm going back to academic language, if you're not giving them the language skills of society to interact. So any Mexican-American language in the California framework is standard English learner. Mexican-American language is okay in your community and with your friends and at home. But what's the language that we're going to have 
when we're in a debate right. or when we're talking about whether or not we need to wear seatbelts or motorcycle helmets. What is that language and how do I express that to myself or express that to others? And I think about this as I'm talking about using the right language. I spoke the last time we were together where my second oldest child is, has a disability and um, he was diagnosed with autism at five. Mm -hmm. And there was a time he's currently in college and we can talk about that a whole different day, how he got there. Mm -hmm. Um, But there was a time where they were trying to decide if they wanted to, and I say they, meaning this team that watches him, trying to decide if we wanted to mainstream him into a general education class or if we wanted to keep them in a fully included special education class, a special education day class. And his math teacher said, you know, he knows more than these students and I want to put him in general education math. And they gave him a test. I don't remember the name of the test. It's a standardized test that most psychologists or teachers would know Mm -hmm. for students with disabilities Mm -hmm. to see where their cognitive levels are and what they've Mm -hmm. learned. And gave him the test and he said, oh, Mrs. Blevins, we're not going to be able to put him in the general education class because he didn't test well. And at the time he had a tutor, a retired teacher who was a tutor. And I went to his tutor and I said, ma'am, this is what I've been giving about him. And, And she said, your son can do all of that work. He's never been taught it. And I said, will you come to the IEP team meeting to talk to them? They need an educator. Uh, in, individual educational plan okay. for students who have a Got disability it. and because he has Got autism, it. he has an IEP in K-12. And so I, I said, they need an educator. I'm not an educator. I'm not a credential. I don't know all the different languages. And she said, yes, I will come. Yeah. And just sitting there, and I, it always marvels me, sitting there listening to them talk. Yeah they could pull out words that I was never taught because I'm not an educator, but they knew what they were talking about to each other. And so it was a success. And she ended up explaining to them why he would be able to succeed. And he did. He was a straight A student in math from there. He's valedictorian of his class, even though someone had told us he would never graduate high school. And he's currently going into his junior year in college and at a university. And so you need that to you need those skills. If right. I'm going to read uh, the if I'm going to read Shakespeare, someone has to teach me Shakespeare. Right. If I'm going to read the Odyssey and I'm going to read it in its original language, it's like Beowulf, you know, read right. everybody wants to read Beowulf in the original uh. language. If I'm going to read those in those languages, someone has to teach me those languages. Yes. If I'm going to be a rocket scientist, scientist or or a mathematician someone has to teach me the language of math when I grew up math was a language but they have to teach me that and it starts really basic at the first time kids enter school and I know in California we do zero to five and we do all these things around there but we start to systemize it where everybody has to be in school at sixth grade and at six years old in the state of California you have to go to school between six and 18 unless you have a high school diploma. So if we're going to say that, then let's make sure our citizens of California has the skills that they need so that they can have good discourse with anybody in the realm that they exactly. choose. And, and you and I spoke about this last time, I believe, when I talked about the plumber needing to be able to read schematics. Right for them to know where these pipes are laying at inside your house. And so if you have a water problem, you know, pipe burst in your house, you want the plumber to be able to read the schematics to be able to dig if you're on a solid foundation in the right place instead of having holes all over your house. And so it starts with that five or six-year-old in kindergarten. Absolutely, It starts with that elementary student. And I'm very passionate about that. I want to see it K through 12 and the African-American parent advocacy team wants to see it K through 12. But if we don't start with the elementary school students first, yeah. it's a harder, of course it is. It's a harder load yes. 
to try to give them those skills in secondary school and middle school and high school. And so, and that's with anything, whether we, if we don't teach them multiplication by third grade, they might not ever get it. Right. If we're not teaching them cursive, cursive, which I do think we should teach kids cursive. Yeah. I'm not saying we have to do, they have to write their whole reports by hand, but they should be able to sign their name. Yeah. But if we're not doing that by third grade, if we're not doing division, if we're not even teaching them that a sentence need a, a noun, a verb, and a, a, a predicate. Now my English teacher is going to get upset with me because <laughs> I can't remember what comes after the verb in this conversation. Uh, and then my professor, I'm having MFA in creative writing. He's going to say, you don't know how to structure a sentence. Shut <laughs> down. It's just second nature um, now. Yes, it's, it is. It is second nature. And that's what I want for exactly. kids in school. Exactly. I want exactly. it to be second nature for them. I want them to be able to understand it. So if they decide that they do not want to turn in homework, if they decide that they do not want to engage in the classroom, they at least are not doing it because they can't understand right. it. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. It's yeah. not. So that that's, and, and it gets, as you can see, my battleground is education. <laughs> Uh, it gets me very excited because I think that all kids can achieve, yes. even if they're behind the eight ball, they can still achieve if we give them the exactly. right tools. And we see it over and over again. I think once a year or once every other year, we see an article in the paper saying a homeless child who's been homeless right. forever, taking care of themselves is going right, to Harvard. Right, right. Everybody has the potential to do their best life, as my kids say. Be your best yeah, life. Exactly. And so it might not be Harvard for you. It might be, you know, all you want to do is do trash collection, or maybe you want to be an assistant. I live in Los Angeles, so there's a lot of people who are like, I'm good at just being an assistant to somebody else and uh, in, in, in entertainment. And leave the work or at home. Maybe, uh, leave the work right. at the office and come home and have a whole other life. Yep. Yes. Or, or I was watching, uh, my, my daughter and I were watching Hamilton. Hamilton has came out since the last time yeah. I talked to you. And my oldest daughter is at USC in the school of dramatic arts and the school of cinematic arts and really loves doing videos and editing them and shooting them and writing and the whole thing in that. And there's a scene where, um, actually it wasn't Hamilton's inception. There's a scene where you start with two characters and character A changes as the camera is going around these two characters. Huh. So they stay in the same spot. It's towards the end of the movie and these two characters are talking and character A turns into character C, but character B never changes. And so I'm asking her about that and she's able to give me the language to tell me what they've done right. that, done, how they right. did that. She would have never understood that, even though her teachers and her bosses have explained that to her if she didn't get the academic exactly. language exactly. in her K through 12 experience. And so I just think that we forget what pushes people forward. Yeah. And we do come from different cultures, we, which I love. We yes. do come from different cultures, different areas of town, different areas of the country from around the world. But having the academic language allows us to meet each other and to be able to share and have a little bit of someone else rub off on you and you become better. Right. Everybody does become better. And uh, yeah, we just have to yeah. take away that old white man mentality of just, <laughs> of just, you know, it's you or me and it's going to be me. Right. You know? I mean, it's just absurd. But so these, these public and I don't think mothers as a whole have that. I don't think so either. I want to think not, but I, I would say there's some that do, but I think that innately as a mother, you tend to go, no, my baby. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess I just want to, you know, maybe conclude now with the, the notion that encouraging people, especially in California, but anywhere that you are to be looking at the propositions that are in your state in the November election. And just, you know, but in California, I will completely address this because that's what we're talking about here, is that we have an opportunity in California to just make things more equitable. That's all that's being asked yes. for. And what these, 
these this thing called the National Review, which is not a National Review. Mm-hmm. It's a total um, uh, uh, twisting of the truth. And also the Los Angeles <laughs> Daily News. That isn't a, Los An- a big Los Angeles paper. That's, um, is it? The Daily News is a pretty big paper. It's in the Valley. Okay, but it looks to me like they're doing a lot of, well, okay. Well, maybe we're talking about two different papers. I don't know. So, so I, I'll have to go back and research that. I and that probably honestly don't be know. For another time. I, but, but the thing is, we have to be paying attention. We cannot go by headlines alone. And we no. have to see, okay, where do I see that again? And where do I see it from? And that's, that's the point I'm trying to make. Because I'm just learning all of this, too. But we right. have to wake up. We have to pay attention. We have to pay attention to who is promoting what ideas and what is their behind the scenes reason for that. And if yeah. we agree with it, we, great. If we don't, then let's. And I'm okay. What? Yeah. I, I'm actually okay with that. I would rather people use their academic language and their critical thinking yeah. skills and make a decision and let's have a conversation right. and agree to disagree. Okay. And so one of the things about Prop 16 that because it's looking for opportunity Mm -hmm. for all and looking for equity and so everyone has a seat at Mm -hmm. the table, I also look at at it in the realm of what we want to do as a collective society. And if everybody has a seat at the table and everybody is being productive, then our tax revenue goes up. And we can do so much more for everybody in, in society. Oh, yeah. Never mind the, the school to prison pipeline, how that would be reduced. And right. just, oh, that's a whole other topic. Yeah, but not even just that. I mean, we could, yeah, we could, we could do more. Actually, our taxes probably could go down. Yeah. But then we could do more. We could actually give K through 12 public school students ensure that they do way more field trips than they do right. now. Um, I can go into that because the average kid doesn't get out of their mm. neighborhood, but I could expose them to more yep. stuff. We could make sure that healthcare was doing more. If we needed more hospitals or right now we need more people to do contract take uh, tracing and more COVID yep. tests. We could, we would have all that. We could have more entertainers. Right. We can have people that makes us, address our moral center while enjoying ourselves in the moment because we need the we need that too we don't need just our nose to the grindstone now wait now what did you say now we had entertainers and then moral entertainers to make to bring us to our moral center that's what creatives do for us oh yes that's the kind of creators money should be spent on yes and so they bring us to our moral center and they challenge us and they move us forward and they have us enjoy the ride and and allow us to take off the armor that we're putting out for the world. But if we can move that needle and make sure that we all have equity, that we all are given a chance, that we all can partake in the bounty together and have enough and be fulfilled. Cause that's the fear that we won't have enough to go across the table. There's There's enough. Because each of us gets to have a good portion yeah. of it. Yeah. And so let's do that for everybody so that no one is a drain on our right. economy and on our right. California. And that we're in a better place when we come out of this shelter in place or safer at home, yeah. period. And we can actually dine together and enjoy right. um, one another and celebrate what we are to be Californians in this great country of the United States uh-huh. of America. And I do think it's a great of course country. it is. Or our ideas. <laughs> Absolutely. And and you know there's just it's just such a growing pain now. It's just it, it's painful, but one thing that keeps on coming up, it keeps on coming up is that all of this since George Floyd's murder, I have just been consumed with paying attention where I I'm very sad to say I've never paid attention. It just wasn't it just wasn't in my face. And now there's no, I don't want to escape it. But one thing that's become very clear to me and repeated over and over yeah. again, something that you said again, is that, it, you know, I, it's like sometimes whites are afraid, maybe not, you didn't say this, but there's that sense that some whites are afraid that blacks or Latinos, people of color would do to the whites what 
the whites have done to the black. I never, ever get the impression that that's the underlying motivation here for no. equity. It's equity. It's equity. Yeah. Fair and just. Yeah. And uh, yeah. We believe in the idea of this country. I talked yeah. about I just watched Hamilton. We believe in the idea yeah. of this country as a yeah. whole. And I've been thinking about it for a while. Um, why so many people around the world protested. Mm -hmm. And it's the, they believed in the idea of democracy in the United mm -hmm. States as mm -hmm. well. And so we believe in it. And, and we're a people that do things together. We might be different, but we do things together. And so why would we destroy our brother? We just want to be able to eat the same. And I keep eat, using this eat um, analogy, but we want T-bone steak too, or the filet mignon as well. Uh, we don't want hamburgers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let us eat as well. And yeah, just, and you just keep eating let well. Us eat as well. And let everyone eat well. Yeah, yeah. And that's. I think that's. I think that makes a better society. Of course it does. I mean, we're we're talking about that. Well, that's a whole different story about the homeless. And, yeah. But you know why can't the best, the most wealthiest country in the world um, house everybody or feed everybody? Why are we dumping milk sometimes? And I'm not saying we're doing it now. Right. Why aren't we feeding people? Yeah. And you, you said it best, I think, when you said, you know, it's all about me. Yeah. But I remember I, I grew up in Oklahoma. Well, I didn't grow up in Oklahoma. My family's from Oklahoma. And my great-grandmother was like, the land feeds you and let's feed others off the yeah. land. Yeah. And so let's, let's do that. Let's feed, not only feed ourselves, but let's feed us all. Yeah. Because it hurts to see people suffering for, for, because we won't, we won't make it equitable. It just doesn't make any sense. No. And, and I was yeah. just watching uh, I Am Your Negro yesterday. Yes. Uh, yes. Oh, my <laughs> God. The wisdom yes. in his insights. And it hasn't changed. Of course. No, it hasn't changed. No, very sadly. It but, hasn't changed. Yeah, but maybe now. Maybe now. Maybe. You know, I do think, Nini, I, I really am... And I know this is my time to be in this in this period of time, but I really do see big change happening. Yes. And the reason why I think that it's happening is because because of this digital or 21st century idea, it's happening in every industry. So people are standing up in the theater industry and they're telling theater owners and producers and directors, we see you, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, are you casting diverse casts? Mm -hmm. Are you producing diverse works from diverse writers mm -hmm. uh, in Hollywood with, they just elected in the last couple of weeks, new people to the Academy. Are you looking at a diverse group of films and actors and writers as well? Yeah. Um, my own pastor, uh, I will go to say I, I am a Christian. That isn't, let me not weird anybody out about how I use my faith. Yeah. <laughs> I don't use it in some of the scary ways people say. Yeah. But I watch my pastor in Christendom talking to other people about what does this really mean and what are we doing? I read an article this morning about a church here in the greater Los Angeles area that wouldn't let a black person sit on the lawn that wasn't fenced in, that just looked like it was like, kind of like a park, you know, how you see a church that has just yeah. lawn before yeah. it. And they told her she was trespassing and was calling the police on her. And they never once said, ma'am, could you not sit on our lawn? We're concerned about the homeless population. And she probably, she lived across the street. She probably would have said, okay. Yeah. But they accused her because she was, this was a white church and she was black. They just never thought to look past the color of her skin. And I'm seeing these challenging conversations happening in so many different yes. realms. 
and people saying we cannot let these eight minutes and 46 seconds stay. We need to do something in them. And so what I'm hoping I'm watching the WNBA, my, my um, family is a big sports family and they are WNBA. NBA women's national basketball association. Uh, Their season starts in about a week or so. And, those women who play have been given the right by their employer to stand up for equity um, across the board and watching how the NBA is doing the same kind of thing. And I'm just hoping that all sports organizations do it. All corporations are doing it. I was talking to someone the other day where a major financial uh, company, major financial company is looking at ways to level the playing field for all people. And so it's not just happening in one place. I mean, we're seeing it with in Los Angeles and the municipal budgets. We're seeing it in the school district. We're seeing it in housing. We're seeing it in financial. We're we're just seeing it all over. And so my hope is, and I am very hopeful by what I see, my hope is, is this lasting change that's dismantling systemic yes. racism and injustice. Yes. And looking at the next generation of kids that are coming up, I know these changes will stick. Yeah. Um, these are the same kids who remember having a black president for eight right. years. And some of them, the, their elders were in tears when they would go knocking on doors for him and realize that certain pockets of this country Um, was not very friendly and they've made a vow to change and so I just see it as everybody's ready and it took COVID-19 to put us all at home to slow us down and then the murder of George Floyd to say meaning you and I even though you and I would have never said this before but you and I are equals yeah we're we're now saying wow it really you really do bleed red blood like (laughs) I think (laughs) <laughs> you know you really do have to consume food right, right. <laughs> you know like you I really are uh, brilliant with <laughs> insights that enrich my life and I have a few thoughts that you yes. might advantage from and we can yes. grow together hello yes you know please yes. let's grow together oh that's the other thing about yeah. all this isolation you realize oh well that's not cool no <laughs> yeah no, it's not. It's yeah. not cool at all. I mean, I sent my kids to schools where I like, no, you cannot just be homogeneous. Yeah. You need to go out there and see the beauty of the right. world. Right. And so now I just I hope they don't leave, live all over the world when they become an adult. Ooh. I want to see my grandchildren. Yeah. but It will be OK. Oh, oh Chanel. Thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, We'll fi- I'll find another excuse to talk to you on this podcast for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we yes. will talk again on the radio. Good. Wonderful. I, I, all, all over again. I can't wait to do another podcast <laughs> with you and to continue our conversations yes. offline because yes. we're building, we found this common yes. ground and we're building this relationship across yeah. borders and geographic yeah. areas yeah. And, and finding out that there is humans on other places. Indeed. Of and not just in my home as I'm sheltered. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Oh, okay. Thank you oh, for having me. Thank you. Thank you. I so appreciate oh, I appreciate you so much. Talk soon, I hope. Okay. Yes. Bye. Okay. So, as I mentioned in this conversation with Charnel, resistance to the passage of Prop 16 is starting to appear. And what I have noticed when checking out the sources of that resistance is that it seems to all be coming from far-right organizations and individuals and far-right think tanks, organizations and people that typically do not support racial justice and equality, even though in their writings, in their petitions and ads, they use those exact words of justice and equality. It is disturbing to see that type of manipulation, especially when it comes to black kids' well-being. 
Ultimately, we all have to do our own homework to come to our own conclusions so that we make well-thought-out decisions at the voting polls. And to make well-thought-out decisions, especially in these days of rampant fake news, we really cannot rely on headlines alone. It takes more work than ever before to get accurate information that aligns with our own values. Information that has not been manipulated to seem like it aligns with our own values. I'm not lecturing you. I'm talking from my own experience of having been duped a few times because I didn't do the extra work. So I'm just trying to share that experience with you. Also, uh, please do check out this show's notes for more really interesting information about exactly what academic language is. It's a topic that has far-reaching implications for kids' success in school and beyond. Thank you again for being here.